0: Welcome to the Well Community Jokes. Have you ever asked yourself, where is God in this? And I'm not just talking about this past year. I'm I'm talking in general. Like, when we feel God speaking to us or urging us to take the next step in our faith and do something, it, it starts off exciting and new and fresh and there's this energy with it. But before long, we we sometimes get to this place of wondering, um, are you still here? Like, again, we can take this year, for example. We started a church plant a few years ago. And never in a million years would we have thought, what would we do if the world shut down for 16 months? Like, it just wasn't even a question. And it wouldn't be an ideal time to church plant when being stuck online for almost 16 months, I think it is now and sometimes we get to this place in life where we're feeling like we're alone maybe here in the kitchen just alone in our efforts or sometimes we even start feeling stagnant like we're not moving anymore like what 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 once was this this moving and thriving momentous uh, initiative now kind of starts slowing down and we feel like we're not making progress sometimes things seem to just go off course and Life throws these sudden curveballs at us. And the reality is usually that from where we started, this place of excitement and movement to where we are now are usually very different places. And they ought to be because we are moving, but why does it feel like sometimes things slow down and then we start questioning okay, is God still in this? I remember one pastor telling me that the difference between your expectations and reality is stress so the higher your expectations and perhaps the lower the reality of how things are turning out that's the amount of stress that you're feeling so if you lower your expectations a bit and the the reality is a bit better then you don't have as much stress now I'm not saying lower all your expectations but Last week, I spoke on recovering our why. Why do we do what we do? Why do we exist as the Well Community Church? And as we recover our why and understand what drives us and it revitalizes our passion and hopefully reminds us to keep moving forward, we also have to understand that it's not always going to go as expected, and that's okay. It doesn't mean that Jesus isn't at work. It means that we just need to remain faithful and trust that he is. In fact, I love this. I love when my feelings and my experiences and my questions are articulated and found in the Bible. When I'm reading through it and I'm like, whoa, that's what I've been wondering. I I love it because it, it shows me that I'm not the first person to ask this, nor will I be the last person to ask. And as I've been reading through the Gospel of Matthew, I recently noticed someone who had a similar experience and a similar question. And his name is John. John the Baptist. You might have heard of him. The same guy who is preaching repentance and making way for the kingdom. The same guy who baptized Jesus, yet said Jesus should be baptizing him because he knew, he understood who Jesus was. But. In chapter 11, John's in prison, so he sends his disciples to ask Jesus this question. Are you the Messiah we've been expecting? Or should we keep looking for someone else? Hold up. John is preparing the way for the Lord He's, he, he, he's baptizing Jesus. He knows that someone is coming and he's ushering him in and his, his focus has been on Jesus. But now he's sitting there in prison thinking, wait a second, did, did I miss something? Did I get something wrong? There's a gap between his expectations of what Jesus was going to do and the reality of what he sees happening. Whew. He knew and had even said that while he baptizes with water, soon someone else would be coming who's greater and who baptizes with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And John's sitting in prison thinking, where's the fire? So what's going on? Well, Jesus replies to John by saying, the blind see, the lame walk, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life and the good news is being preached to the poor. He's saying, don't worry, John, I've got this. You might think my ministry, my preaching is ineffective, but oh, trust me, I'm at work here. Because then a couple of chapters later, I believe Jesus elaborates on this and this type of thinking. It's in chapter 13 and he shares seven parables, each opening up and developing the mysteries of the kingdom. And he's saying, it isn't as you expect. But that doesn't mean that God's not working. It just means that we have to remain faithful and trust that he is. So tonight, I want us to open up scripture. I want us to dig into it. I want us to look at the first of seven parables in this chapter together. Because Jesus' teaching speaks not only to John's concerns, but to ours as well. So I want us to read Matthew chapter 13, verses 3 and 3 to 23, where Jesus is preaching from a boat to a crowd that's gathered on the shore. And here's what Jesus says. Listen, a farmer went out to plant some some seeds. As he scattered them across his field, some seeds fell on a footpath and the birds came and ate them. Other seeds fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow. But the plants soon wilted under the hot sun, and since they didn't have deep roots, they died. Other seeds fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants. Still, other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they produced a crop that was thirty, sixty, and even a 100 times as much as had been planted. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. His disciples came to him and asked, why do you use parables when you talk to the people? Again, I love this, the disciples questioning, like, what are you doing, Jesus? He replied, you're permitted to understand the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but others are not. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given, and they will have an abundance of knowledge. But for those who are not listening, even what little understanding they have will be taken away from them. That's why I use parables. For they look, but they don't really see. For they hear, but they don't really listen or understand. This fulfills the prophecy of Isaiah that says, when you hear what I say, you will not understand. When you see what I do, you will not comprehend. For the hearts of these people are hardened and their ears cannot hear and they have closed their eyes. So their eyes cannot see, and their ears cannot hear, and their hearts cannot understand. And they cannot turn to me and let me heal them. But blessed are your eyes, because they see, and your ears, because they hear. I tell you the truth, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, but they didn't see it. And they long to hear what you hear, but they didn't hear it. Now listen to the explanation of the parable about the farmer planting seeds. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. Then the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. The seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word. But all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth. So no fruit is produced. The seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much. had been planted now this may be a familiar parable to you or it might be the first time you've ever heard it but it's one that i've read many many times before but had never seen it the way that i'm going to share with you tonight how i used to read this passage is that there are different types of soil which corresponds to how responsive we are to the gospel right but by reading it this way we instantly create this us and them dichotomy like i'm the good soil and everyone else who's different than me well they must be bad soil you don't have the deep roots you're gonna wash away but and what's worse it means that a quarter of the people will never truly hear the gospel and have it transform their lives And I just simply don't believe that that's true. The gospel is for everyone. But again, this way of reading the parable creates tension. Why would a farmer waste three quarters of their seed? Was God having trouble? Is he just throwing it out there and just hoping it lands somewhere good? Like what's going on? Why doesn't he just focus on on the good soil, dump it all there? But if this is how I used to read it, Well, how do I read it now? I was recently reading a book by Daryl Johnson. He's a pastor and a professor of preaching at Regent College out in Vancouver. And he helped me see this passage in a whole new way. Because again, the temptation is to read this passage and ask, so which of the soils am I? I I think I'm a four today, maybe a three, No, 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 I believe the root of what Jesus is getting at is that we all have all four soils within us to one degree or another, but do we understand it? You see, that word, understand and understanding, that's the key verb in this passage that our English translations don't quite do justice to. But grasping what Jesus means when he uses that word understand will help illuminate the rest of his teaching. It will help add life and color to this passage. So it's not just words on a page, but it actually gets brought to life. You see, to understand, sure, it means to comprehend, to get it. That's how we use it most commonly. But it also means to yield to even if you don't fully get it. See, another theologian commenting on this passage suggests that the most helpful translation of this key verb, understand, is to stand under. So it's not just comprehension, it's actually standing under. It's actually submitting to, to, yielding to the teaching, yielding to the words of Jesus. Are we standing under what, we, what we're hearing? Even if we don't fully get it yet, are we submitting ourselves to the way of Jesus, to following Jesus? I love this, because it's not just do, do we get it? Do we have the head knowledge? It's, it's connecting it to the heart. Are we standing under the words of Jesus? Isn't this incredible? It it helps me see this passage in a whole new way. I'd never seen it this way before. I I had always just hoped I was the good soil. And I, I was hoping that other people were too as I'm preaching. And it's like, no, no, no. We all have all four soils within us. But are we yielding all of those parts over to us and saying, Jesus, help me to bear kingdom fruit. It's not just that I get it and you don't. It's not that we get it and they don't. It's about recognizing all four soil types within us to one degree or another. And all four soils hear the gospel. But are we willing to stand under what we're hearing? In his book, The Jesus Way, the late Eugene Peterson writes, The North American church at present is conspicuous for replacing the Jesus way with the American way. To follow Jesus implies that we enter into a way of life that is given character and shape and direction by the one who calls us. What are you standing under at the moment? Is it the flag? Is it your country? Is it your family? Is it your church even? Is it your own identity or Are you you standing under the words and the way of Jesus? Is he the true king of your life? And is that what you're standing under and yielding to and submitting to? Let's quickly look at all four soil types, because all four soils hear the gospel. And I believe that each soil, when it hears the message, cries out and wants to bear kingdom fruit. But kingdom fruit will only appear as it follows the lead of the submissive heart. So soil one is the hardened heart. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't stand under it. Then the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. You see how when we replace understand it, with stand under it, it changes the meaning. It changes how we we initially read it, because we're like, okay, they don't understand it. They don't get it. But no, Jesus is saying, they're not submitting themselves to it. They're not yielding to it. It's not just about head knowledge. It's about submitting ourselves to Jesus and his way of life. And this is why I believe you'll, you'll run into people who grew up in the church and may even know the Bible better than you do. They have the head knowledge, but their hearts are far from God because they're no longer submitting or standing under the word of God. Jesus is also telling us in this passage that there's a personal and objective opposition to God's kingdom. And this is why it's all the more important that we learn to stand under God's rule and his way of life. By not submitting and standing under God's word gives gives the evil one room to work despite how much you think you know. By not standing under it and keeping yourself distant from it, it allows room to change the trajectory and the course of your life. But God is saying, I want to offer you the best life possible, but you have to stand under me. Soil number two is the shallow heart. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. Whoever thinks Christianity is an easy way of life or is just about these cozy little sayings that make us feel better, they haven't read the words of Jesus very closely. Are there blessings? Absolutely, of course, many of them. But Christianity is about what God's doing in the world and what he's already done in and through Jesus and what he wants to do in and through us today. Christianity is a revolution and you're invited to be part of it. And when we welcome God's kingdom, when we choose to follow the way of Jesus, we're going to feel pressure. We're going to find ourselves in trouble because these two kingdoms are colliding. The gospel messes with our idols. The things or the people that we've turned into gods or in whom we've placed our trust, other than in the living God Himself. We have to learn to walk with Jesus in this tension and this collision, join the revolution. and expect that there will be tension, there will be pressure, there will even be persecution. But as we understand and stand under God's kingdom, God's rule, we'll soon discover that our lives will begin bearing kingdom fruit. This is how you look at people and you're like, how do they have so much joy? Well, why does it seem like things are just going well for them? It doesn't mean their life is easy. It means that they've learned how to stand under the rule of Jesus and allow him to lead their lives. The pressure, the tension, it's there. There isn't an option of choosing a life without it. But are you willing to stand under the word of God when that pressure and that persecution comes? Soul number three is the cluttered heart. The seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth, so no fruit is produced. I believe this, soil number three, is one of the most prominent soils in North America, making it one of the most difficult soils to combat. This is the soil that makes it so hard for us to act on what we hear because all around us is worry and stress and anxiety because people are building their their lives on these faulty and insecure foundations, so they're looking for security. And then we start believing that it's gonna be riches that are gonna bring us that comfort and security. Now, let me point one thing out. The problem is not riches in and of themselves, okay? The problem isn't riches, but it's the deceit they offer. Riches trick us. They they give us this false sense of security that if I only had this or if I only made this much, well, then I wouldn't have to worry. But what's more is that the very riches God provides for us are the very things that can deceive us and pull us away from God. We start thinking that it's those things that can make us feel whole and secure rather than God himself. So again, if we want to bear kingdom fruit, Jesus calls us to stand under the word of God, which alone overcomes the worry and deceit. If we want to bear kingdom fruit, we have to let some of those things go. It doesn't mean they're not important. Retirement plans, wages, uh, all of those things, there are some importance to them. Don't get me wrong. The riches aren't evil in and of themselves. It's the deceit. Because if we start putting our trust in the security they provide, then we're missing out on the security that God and God alone can provide, a sure foundation. So soil number four is the submissive heart. The seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as had been planted this is the heart that stands under that submits to the word of god and that goes on to bear kingdom fruit but let me say this again all four soils hear. all four soils hear the gospel that heaven is coming to earth soil one hears it but doesn't act on what it hears. Soil two hears and acts, but when trouble comes because of the word, it well backs off. Soil three hears and acts, but it gets caught up in the age and its worries and riches, and the plant dies away. And soil four hears, receives the word, and consciously, intentionally stands under it, and says, "In you, Jesus, I will put my life." I will put my trust. I know you want the best for me and have the best for me. And you're working in me and through me. But all of this takes time. And it requires us to stand under the word of God and to remain faithful to what he is doing in the world in and through us. So, As we continue our series and hit reset and recover our why, let's also remain faithful to to standing under the word of God and trusting that he is at work regardless of whether or not it's meeting our expectations. Our journey might not be as expected, but that doesn't mean that God's not at work expanding his kingdom here in Binbrook and around the world. In Matthew 13, Jesus is saying to John and to us, my preaching is not failing. It's just that the human heart is more complex than you and others know. There's so much in the way, but don't despair. The kingdom has come, is coming, and will come again. The question is whether or not you're standing under his lordship. Have you submitted your life to Christ? Have you accepted Jesus as your savior, as the true king of the world? As I've said many times throughout the message tonight, I believe we all have all four soils within us. There are areas of our life where it's easy and it's like, yeah, of course. Like give to the church, sure. Serve, help my neighbor, love others, yeah. But then there are areas of our life that we're not as willing to surrender. And we've, we've hardened ourselves and perhaps it's as a, it's been as a way to protect ourselves. But tonight Jesus is saying, trust me. Stand under my word, stand under my protection. I believe each soil longs to hear and bear kingdom fruit. The hardened heart calls out, tell me to open my heart, if only a little bit, and stand under every word that Jesus speaks to me. So that's what I'm gonna ask you tonight that that hardened area of your life, will you stand under the words of Jesus, his Lordship, and say, God, it's yours. Transform me from the inside out. The shallow heart calls out, tell me to embrace the fact that following Jesus will bring me into trouble, but I'm to stand under Jesus when it comes. Will you trust him despite the pressures and the tensions that you will face? Will you stand under his lordship? The cluttered heart calls out, tell me to realize that that the age is built on idols, that idolatry is everywhere and it's sometimes just so subtle, but that I need to stand under Jesus so that he can break the spell of the anxiety that's rooted in the lie. Will you turn that part over to him? Will you stand under his lordship tonight? And the receptive heart, those areas of our life where the the ground is fertile and it's ready to bloom, I believe it calls out and says, tell me to simply let Jesus be the kind of king that he is. And tell me to simply stand under his word and let his word do what only his word can do. So what areas of your life have you surrendered to Jesus? And what areas of your life are you having a hard time letting go? Jesus doesn't just want part of you. He wants all of you. He wants to transform your life. For his glory from the inside out and it's a life that will blow your mind it's a life that will bring joy and self-control and love and peace and hope all these things that we've experienced and longed for over this past year during the pandemic people have been reaching out to the church saying how do i get that i'm like jesus it keeps coming back to jesus The opportunities I've had have been incredible. And I just say, it's Jesus. Are you standing under him? Jesus loves you. And Jesus is at work. And if you're watching this tonight, if you're listening to this tonight, wherever you are, Jesus wants to grab a hold of your heart and your life and transform you. Things might not be going as expected. Things might have started off strong. And he's saying, recommit your life to me. I am here with you. I am present with you. I love you. And I want to walk with you. Jesus is calling you to stand under his word. Follow his way. He's saying, surrender your life to me tonight. All of it. All of those areas. The good parts, the bad parts, and those areas that you're just holding on to. And I pray that as you cry out and say, help me stand under your word, that he will soften your heart as you surrender to him tonight. After this long, hard, tumultuous year, let's take some time to reset and remain faithful to the work that God is doing in and through you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for working in our lives and in our world, even though we may not see it or understand it. And God, I pray tonight you help us to remain faithful, help us to surrender our lives to you and to stand under your word. God. It's so easy to focus on the head knowledge and just knowing about you. But God, I pray tonight you help us know you personally and intimately. Thank you for your son, Jesus. Thank you for Emmanuel, God with us. Soften the soils of our life and help us to respond to your word and to bear kingdom fruit for your glory as you bring heaven to earth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.